Hello, beautiful people. We are finally here. Wow. Welcome to Lakota Moon Conversations. I am your host, Lakota Summer. And needless to say, it has been a while leading up to this space. Um, it's actually an understatement. Tons of challenges. However, I'm invoking gratitude and happy to be here in this space with all of you. But before getting into our actual show, I am a firm believer on knowing who the messenger is in order to be in the best position of, this, of receivership. So first of all, you know, I'm black first, and it's a very important characteristic that you will note about me within this show. Almost every topic that we're gonna be discussing will literally tie into the impact it is on us black and brown people. I would be remiss if I didn't do that. I am a mother, a daughter, friend and partner, educator, artist, mental health clinician. My parents' country of origin is Haiti, a show of its of itself. You know, I am in a sibling circle of four, two brothers and a sister. I consider myself a best friend and a sister girl and when warranted a lioness. I work hard, I love harder, and a disciple of self-love and self-care. I say for many of us, we carry two sides of education. The first is the brick and mortar, what is utilized in order to land the career and job. I am college educated, master's level in education and mental health. However, my passion is social emotional learning and health of both children and adults. I'm currently pursuing my doctorate in social emotional learning. Yeah, 12 years a student, it feels like. I'm a certified mental health coach and trauma practitioner, which we'll go into later. I am a dancer and have been dancing since the age of six. My love of dance is incorporated into my mental health coaching and mindfulness movement practice. In my moments of darkness, dance has saved me and it continues to be my light in my adulthood. If you are a child of the 80s and into the performing arts heavy, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. The second side of education is life. The experiences we go through, what molds us, what cultivates our worldviews. I was a teen mother to my son. I was barely in high school and it was a pregnancy only known to me, myself and I. At a very young age, I had to navigate a broken educational system that had no clue how to support a teen mother with a special needs son. I dealt with depression, cutting, suicidal ideation, witnessed the suicide, and lost so many loved ones in the dance community at the height of the AIDS pandemic back in the mid 80s and early 90s. I struggled with colorism, religion, my family cultural norms versus American cultural norms. The impact of the type of relationships my parents had and the impact it had on me influence what would have gone to become adult relationships that I cultivated. There were so many dark moments. However, there were moments of light, such as completing my education, be it high school, college, and now working towards my doctorate. The universe gave me a second chance at being a mom again when the time was right and when I was in the right mental space. I understood and realized that all of the traumas that I carry needed to be addressed and deconstructed. So my securing therapy and mental health coaching was a game changer for me. 
So now let's fast forward to the here and now. There are occasions now and then when there is an occasional dim, and that's okay, but it's nowhere near what I've been through. I've learned the power of asking for help and support. The idea that I'm good, no matter what scenario or circumstance I'm in. I'm also very blessed that I have a chosen family whom I love and adore very much. So shout out to them. They've been my bedrock. They have been my solace and my home. So anyway, I'm not gonna delve into anything more deeper than what I've provided. I have a feeling that through this journey with this podcast, you will get to know who I am and the people around me. I wanted the first show to talk about the complexities of black mother and daughter relationships. And I thought about this topic just thinking about my relationship that I have with my daughter. My daughter is 16 now, going on 32, and she is now a junior in high school. I can't even believe it. I have a a daughter who's a junior going to college really soon. And I think about where I was at her age. And at her age, I was a mom, still in school, not having the type of relationship that my daughter has with me. And I thought about how different it would have been had my relationship with my mom mirror what I have with my daughter. Would I have had been pregnant at, at 14? Um, the choices that I made in terms of who I hung with, my tribe at the time, the boys slash men that I dealt with, the mental health issues that I was dealing with. One thing that I knew for sure was that when I became pregnant with Lulu, my daughter, um, and found out that I was having a girl, because I literally had a moment. I was so used to raising a son. Um, My family is predominantly males that the thought of having a daughter terrified me, like literally terrified me. And it terrified me based on the relationship that I had with my mom, because my mom may have taught me what I call the mechanics of being a woman, cooking, cleaning, taking care of our household, but she never taught me how to be a woman in terms of the social emotional Um, aspects of it, the skills that I would need to navigate relationships and inter, you know, those interpersonal relationships. And I'm not putting blame on her because what was the playbook that she had? One thing that I give to my mom, she's a resilient woman. She's a survivor, celebrated her birthday a few days ago. She's 85 years old um, and came to New York from Haiti with nothing and managed to make herself into something, bring families over, and in a sense, has been like the true matriarch of of my whole family. But growing up, I am almost positive that her life as a young girl, an adolescent and young woman was nowhere easy. So what can you gain from that to switch up your parenting skills. I was fortunate the moment that I realized that I was having a girl, that I had to switch up, that I had to be cognizant of 
the way that I was raised and the interaction that I had with my mom to ensure that I did not fall into those pitfalls. Not that I would, but I was always fearful that some of her characteristics would rub off on me and then carry over um, into my daughter. And thank goodness it hasn't. My daughter is such a firecracker. She's smart, uh, insightful, so talented. And I enjoy hanging out with her. We go out, we do a lot of things together. I, I also, however, hold that boundary. I set those expectations and been able to manage that in a way that she continues to feel very comfortable with me. She knows that I am her advisor, that I'm her ride or die, and that there is nothing that she can say or do that will change up on how I feel about her. We had like a little riff a few weeks back where, you know, she went to, she stayed home, didn't go to school. And the reason was because she woke up late. Yeah, that, I mean, that was her reason. She eventually told me and fessed up. And my biggest thing to her was not even so much her staying home from school. It was her inability to tell me right then and there that she didn't that she stayed home like that was what got to me that you did not convey that to me so i had to restate some expectations and part of that is honesty and trust and she got it and she understood it and she was very remorseful and and took full-on accountability of it i did not have any level of trust or any level of honesty with my mom and i freely told my daughter that i was the type that Wherever I wanted to go, I would let mom know, but I wasn't honest about it because A, I knew she wouldn't let me go. You know, we were, being, we were brought up in a strict Haitian household and if you come from that type of background, you know that Haitian parents are ridiculously strict. They're also very isolative when it, came to the, when it comes to their children. And my, my parents were, were no different. Um, especially my mom. So the only way that I was able to do the get around was to lie to her. And I used like the perfect excuse. Anything related to church, she was down with. I know it's really bad to say that, um, but I, I will put in a little fact that I am atheist, so I wasn't that, I didn't feel that guilty. But, um, that's how I got around. That's how I, you know, established my freedom. And when I married my um, son's father, that was the other way of establishing freedom because I was not the type that was gonna leave home early. I was not the type that was going to like pick up my things and bounce. That's my sister. I felt that un unless I had a solid plan, that is the only way I'm gonna leave the house. And at the time I did, I had a solid plan. I got married and left. Didn't really improve my relationship with my mom. It still remained very surfaced, um, very simple. There were never times where we had like deep conversations. I remember one time I was trying to have a deep conversation about something that occurred to me and I was trying to get her to see my point of view and it just went right over her head, like right over her head. And so I realized that I cannot A, change her mindset I cannot change 
this cultural norm which she was brought up in in Haiti. And, you know, she only can parent the way that she knows how. And I had to accept that because I think to not accept that would incur a level of resentment. And I didn't want to carry that type of energy because at the end of the day, she didn't have to give birth to me and she chose to. Thus, I'm here. So it's complex. And I, and I feel what makes what made my mother's relationship and myself even more complex was you had this woman who comes from this island background, Haiti, coming into America where American cultural norms are a little all over the place. And she's trying to navigate raising her American daughter with Haitian values. Very tough. But you know, it's interesting because the bond, you know, between a mother and daughter is often touted as one of life's most precious and unbreakable connections. But yet within the tapestry of black mother-daughter relationships, there lies layers of complexities that go beyond the surface. And you know, it's tinged with a rich history of and a cultural nuances. You know, these relationships encompass a myriad of emotions, struggled and shared experience that I believe are unique to the black community. From the profound love and understanding to the intricate interplay of identity and societal pressures, I want this blog to kind of delve into the fascinating and deeply uncharted terrain of exploring the complexity of black mother-daughter relationships. So I want you all to be really open to this podcast, um, which will kind of talk about the joys and challenges that shape like these extraordinary connections. So let's define, you know, black mother and daughter relationships. From my experience, and I'm utilizing myself and my daughter Lulu, friends of mine, colleagues of mine, black mother daughter relationships are, are definitely characterized by emotional connections. They're often marked by a strong sense of support and resilience. As mothers, we are supposedly to impart wisdom and guidance to our daughters. We also serve as a source of affirmation. We're supposed to provide a space for our daughters that are safe, help them explore their identities and navigate the challenges that they will face, not even may face, that they will face. For example, you know, mothers will share stories of their own experiences with racism, offering valuable insights and empowering our daughters to navigate similar situations. These relationships are not only important for personal growth, but also contribute to the overall well-being and success of black women in society. I make it no secret to my daughter that she is in a society that was not made for us. She lives in a country that does not like us. And when I say us, for anyone novice that's listening, I'm talking about black and brown folk. We have a double-edged sword, so to speak. We're black and we're women. And historically, from the moment that we were kidnapped from our homeland of Africa and brought into this country, black women have been at the center of all things related to servitude and breeding and 
holding down the fort, inherited or not. Fast forward to today, we still are in the struggle, whether it's pay equality, dealing with colorism, how the media view us. I can turn on my Instagram and then just scroll down like how many beautiful black and brown women are just so caught up in oversaturated drama that makes us look and appear like buffoons, reinforcing certain stereotypes. So I make it clear to Lulu that she carries being a black woman in a way that she has to be self-aware of herself in terms of what she brings to the table. I push to her that she does have to work harder than her white counterparts. Because before anyone knows who you are as a person, they're going to look at you in terms of what your complexion gives. And my daughter's a light-skinned redhead. And already in her young age, she's been quote unquote called out for it. Too light-skinned, or you must be mixed, or you have good hair. So I definitely talked to her about racism and my experience with it, because I'm darker than my, than my daughter. And I came from the era, and, and you light-skinned and dark-skinned sisters can, can hopefully relate when a child of the 80s, where colorism was pretty big, where the light skin with the contacts and the light hair or the long-ass weave was far more attractive than the dark-skinned female. So I don't hide that from her. Exploring black mother-daughter relationships hold immense value. It sheds light on the unique dynamics and challenges they face. It allows for a deeper understanding of how societal structures impact these relationships and the resilience black women exhibit within them. By acknowledging the power of dynamics and cultural influences at play, we definitely can identify the need for open communication and mutual support in nurturing these relationships. Engaging in candid conversation about race and identity fosters a sense of belonging for both mom and, and daughter. Exploring these relationships contributes to a greater empathy and paves the way for a meaningful change in society. I always say that you know the scourge of racism is not something that's going to be erased. However, we can be hyper aware of it, be anti-racist in our practice, and that goes with mother and daughter relationships, knowing the impact of, of race and racism in the society and how it impacts us as women and what we can do within that society to be anti-racist. There are complexities in mother-daughter relationships. Trust, I experienced it growing up. I'm dealing with it in terms of my relationship with Lulu because it, her generation is a completely different generation. And, you know, we have to think about the intersection of race, gender, and generation. You know, these relationships are influenced by societal stereotypes and historical experiences. They add layers of tension and conflict. For instance, you know, we as black mothers, we often navigate between protecting our daughters from racial injustices while preparing them to face these challenges. Generational gaps can create misunderstandings and different cultural values. 
one practical takeaway is fostering that open and honest communication, allowing, you know, mother and daughter to express their perspective and emotions. And another approach is actively challenging societal narratives and providing support networks for black mothers and daughters. Unfortunately, you know, my tribe of black mother and daughters are very slim. So when I am in the presence of a black mom, I try my best to kind of secure a relationship that we can support each other, which then allows us to support our children. You know, there is historical context of black mother-daughter relationships. The historical context is characterized by centuries of adversity and resilience. From slavery to segregation, black moms have passed down strength, wisdom, and cultural heritage to their daughters in the face of systemic oppression. These relationships have been shaped by the need to protect and prepare our daughters for the challenges of racism, but also helping to foster a sense of pride and self-worth. Many black mothers that I've spoken to have imparted important life lessons through storytelling, which is something that I do because I do believe in the power of storytelling, emphasizing the importance of community and resilience despite the ongoing struggles. Black and mother-daughter relationship continue to thrive and serves as a source of empowerment, support, and cultural preservation. We have the media, which I always feel is one of our biggest challenges. It plays a significant role in shaping and reinforcing stereotypes surrounding black mother-daughter relationships. These stereotypes often depict black mothers as overly strict or absent, while portraying their daughters as rebellious or hypersexualized. You know, these limited portrayals perpetuate a harmful bias and fail to represent the complexity and diversity of such relationships. I don't know about um, many of you out there, but I grew up watching The Cosby Show. And say what you may about Bill Cosby, I wanted a mother like Claire Huxtable. She was professional, she was beautiful, she was articulate, she was sassy, but she was also connected to her children. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it back a little further. I don't know how many of you out there used to watch Good Times. And Esther Roll, who played the matriarch, Florida Evans, was, for me, that archetype of a mom. Whereas, you know, uh, Felicia Rashad's character, Cla uh, Claire, you know, she was upper middle class, um, lawyer, highly educated. You know, Florida Evans was different. She wasn't as educated, brick and mortar style. But her life experiences definitely impacted how she um, parented her kids. And it was loving, warm, and when she needed to give it to them, she gave it to them. Media doesn't do that that much. I can't think of a show right now that positively portrays the black mother, let alone the black family. It just seemed to have faded away in the late 80s and early 90s. Nowadays, media representation of black mothers and daughters rarely exist. For the black woman, you know, we're shown, again, hypersexualized. We like creating drama. We get ratchet. It's such a shift from the days where I grew up. It is so crucial for media to move away from these stereotypes and provide a more nuanced and authentic representation of black mother-daughter relationships. By doing so, 
Media can challenge societal misconceptions and of course promote understanding and empathy. The positive and realistic portrayals that I dealt with when I was growing up, having it here now can have a profound impact on young black girls. Allow them to see themselves reflective positively and fostering self-esteem and identity formation. I know I've been saying this in pockets throughout this podcast, but racism and dis discrimination have had a profound impact on black mother-daughter relationships. They create a constant battle against negative stereotypes and limited opportunities, resulting in increased stress and strain. There is the need for us as mothers to empower our daughters. And because of that, it should be our primary focus. We have to make the proactive efforts to instill resilience, self-love, and a strong cultural identity. I can recall my daughter watching um, Black Girls Rock many, many years ago. And for those of you who do not know what Black Girls Rock is, it is a nonprofit organization that every year honors Black women in various industries. And it usually gets te uh, televised. And I can recall we watching it, and I don't remember who it was that won some sort of um, accolade. My daughter just looks at me, and at the time I would say, Lulu must have been mm, maybe 12 or 11. I would say between, I would actually say between 8 and 12, more so 8 and 11. And out of nowhere, she goes, Mommy, I'm like, yeah. She was like, I love being a black girl. And let me tell you, that truly, truly was a, a very like, huh, moment for me. But also witnessing this very young child at such an early age, love the skin that she's in, love the shade that she's in. Powerful moment. Because I can remember when I was her age, I actually wish I was white. I can recall putting a, a t-shirt over my head and even though i had like a lot of hair um it wasn't straight it didn't fall down like to my shoulders it poofed out uh and i can remember pretending to be wonder woman i think it was at the time because i didn't there wasn't any superhero that looked like us on tv and wishing that my skin was lighter or that my eyes were lighter so to hear my daughter come out and say that and to this day still feel so proud to be a black woman is you know what owning your cultural identity and being comfortable in your skin is all about another aspect of the complexities that we deal with is the intersection of gender race and identity these things shape the dynamics of black mother and daughter relationships they arise from the underlying power structures and societal expectations. For example, navigating the challenges of systemic racism and internalized racial biases can definitely influence the way black mothers and daughters perceive and interact with each other. Gender expectations and stereotypes also play a role. They impact the roles and responsibilities assigned to each member of the relationship. Understanding and addressing these intersecting influences is vital for fostering healthy and inclusive mother-daughter bonds. Also, by acknowledging and challenging societal norms, 
Mothers and daughters can create spaces for authentic and empowering connections that almost transcends the limitation imposed by gender and race. You know, Lulu is in a unique position because she's not just American. She is Caribbean, Native American, Asian. And so these traditional cultural values greatly influence our dynamic as a mother and daughter. I try my best to be inclusive and aware of where she comes from. And I utilize values from those many ethnicities and try to emphasize respect, um, obedience, and the passing down of wisdom from one generation to next. Let me just talk on obedience for, one, for a moment. I'm not talking about obedience in the sense of, of doing what a man wants or falling into the system. I talk about obedience in the sense of receivership, being open and diverse in your way of thinking. We as mothers, you know, often play the role of teachers guiding our daughters on the path of cultural heritage and traditions. I try, and I'm emphasizing try, to pass on recipes, stories, and rituals that will hold deep cultural significance for her. This transformation of knowledge, I hope, will strengthen the bond between her and I and reinforce the cultural identity, which will then foster a sense of belonging. But I also know that not all black women have access to these traditional values and expectations. And it's due to a lot of factors such as migration, assimilation, or displacement. So I am grateful that I'm able to A, expose her to my um, rich cultural history, as well as be exposed for her to be exposed to her father's um, history as well. You know, um, it's hard navigating multiple cultural spaces in black mother-daughter relationships, because again, it requires communication and understanding. It's also important for mothers to acknowledge and respect their daughter's individual experiences, whether they align with traditional cultural values or adopt new ones. I know I struggle with that sometimes because I want my daughter to be able to hold on and be proud of her very rich heritage. I also realize that she's her own person and eventually she's gonna carve out her own identity. I just want her to realize that all that she has, Haiti, Korea, again, our native, her Native American roots, it creates this dynamic, rich tapestry of traditions, which then will feed her personal growth. So one of the things that um, I am currently working on, myself as a mom, and with Lulu as my daughter, is ensuring that there isn't that generation gap, especially as it relates to communication styles. I work in a school where I deal with young mothers, I deal with middle-aged mothers, and I even deal with mothers whom pass, and I hate saying this, but pass like that, that uh, youth birthmark, so to speak. Um, not, it doesn't behoove me that black mother-daughter relationships often experience a generational gap in communication styles. 
my daughter has stopped calling me mommy about three and a half years ago. Now it's bruh. Everything is bruh. Even when she texts me, bruh, can I get this? Can I get that? And, you know, I remember talking to one of my elders and she was like, oh, that's disrespectful. She, you know, she has to call you mom or mother. You know, what are you going to do to address it? And, you know, I let her know respectfully that it's, I don't find it disrespectful at all. I think it is a snapshot into, again, that generational gap piece. But also, her addressing me as that, as off-putting as it is, it's her way of being comfortable with me. You know, for me, sometimes, you know, respect is not based on a label. Respect is really acknowledging who you are, understanding the boundaries and expectations that come with it, and working to better cultivate a sense of self. So I appreciate um, her, her, terms of her term of endearment with me. I used to get annoyed by it, but then it's like, you know what? That's who she is. I do my best to actively listen to my daughter, and I do it in a way that's empathetic. Um, realizing that when I listen actively and I, and I practice empathy, it elevates our effective communication styles. I know that one of the things that was a barrier for myself and my mom was the language barrier. My mom, you know, speaks English, but she doesn't speak English like I speak English. So whenever we're in the household, it would be Creole or French that was spoken. Now, when I was super duper young, and I'm talking like between the ages of mm, five to 11, I would respond in French or Creole. But as I got older and I got into middle school, it, 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 there was a shift. She would talk to me in French or Creole, I would respond back in English. She never made a big deal out of it. It's interesting. Whereas now in her old age, she complains about it a little bit. I do know that language barriers can negatively impact communication style. So, you know, with my, with my um, black mother and daughters who are from different countries, it is really important to make that eff extra effort to foster open and, and patient communication because language, you know, having a language barrier, you definitely need a level of patience to be able to communicate effectively. I think another deficit that I struggled with when I was pregnant with a girl and, and raising a girl was emotional expression and vulnerability. I'm realizing now how it is so integral to black mother-daughter relationships. When it's at its healthiest, it allows for authentic connection and understanding between two parties. We express emotions, you know, emotions openly. We establish that environment of trust and support. When it's not healthy, this is when you get secrecy. This is when you get self-isolation which I've always believed would be the breeding ground for depression. For mother and daughter, I know that I experienced that growing up. 
I wasn't able to express myself emotionally to my mom and being vulnerable. What does that mean? Um, I never saw vulnerability in my mother. My mother was a strong woman. So I didn't even know what that looked like to even modeled. And it wasn't until I got older and got the support that I needed to understand what emotional expression and vulnerability is and the impact it has on relationships and more so daughter, mother and daughter relationships. I try my best to promote open and honest dialogue. And you know, I wanna share with you some really cool tips, mom and daughters out there, to promoting that open and honest dialogue. You know, definitely create a safe space. You wanna cultivate an environment where both parties feel comfortable expressing their thoughts and emotions without fear of judgment or reproach. This is probably one of the bedrocks of my relationship with my daughter, Lulu. Active listening, you wanna ensure active and attentive listening. You wanna demonstrate empathy and understanding to encourage open communication. And sometimes body language can also be a tool for active listening. You wanna establish trust. I mean, I cannot stress that so much. When you have a foundation in trust through honest and in transparent interactions, It'll be easy for your daughter to be vulnerable. Easy. You want to validate experiences. I do my best to acknowledge and validate my daughter's unique experiences and perspectives. Boundaries. If anyone knows me, they know that I'm big on boundaries. I want to respect and honor my daughter's boundary the same way that I want her to respect and honor my boundaries. Ensuring that however we interact, it's always respectful and constructive. Also seeking understanding. I encourage her curiosity. And I also have a genuine desire to understand her viewpoints, her experiences. Also approach conflicts with compassion. You want to be able to be your daughter's number one advocate. That cannot happen if you do not have empathy and actively seek resolutions that maintain the integrity of the relationship. Also, practicing self-reflection. When you promote self-reflection on personal biases and, per and perceptions, it encourages personal growth and a deeper understanding of oneself and others. Any type of interaction my daughter and I have, negative or positive, I do my very best for us to reflect on it. Also, and this may sound like a huh, but celebrating diversity. My daughter is not a carbon copy of me. We may share some characteristics, but she is very different from me. So I embrace and appreciate the unique identity that she brings. And, it, and because of that, I believe that it just, you know, creates a beautiful environment of in inclusivity and acceptance. I also do my best to recognize and respect her individual autonomy because it's the healthy foundation for mother-daughter relationships. Again, honoring the fact that she is a unique individual, that she's gonna make choices and also respecting her boundaries. 
you know, I want to end this, you know, by just kind of stamping the fact that black mother and daughter relationships are definitely characterized by complexity and nuance. It's a dynamic that's shaped by various factors, such as historical trauma, societal pressures, and again, the interplay between race and gender. Our experiences as black women are unique compared to our white counterparts. And we too have issues when it comes to identity formation, communication, and the impact of inter intergenerational trauma when it's not recognized and dealt with. But I do think that by acknowledging the complexities within these relationships, we will grow a foster deeper understanding of the unique bonds between mother and daughters. This was really good. Um, I'm not as nervous as I was when I started this, um, started this podcast. So I thank you for taking that opportunity to hear what I had to say. I thought it was a good show to start off because originally, like I said, my daughter was supposed to be with me, but she wasn't able to. And I actually wanted to start off with you all knowing who I am as a mom, because many of the decisions I make, the moves that I make really centers on my daughter. So I want to thank you for taking the time out to listening. Hopefully you got something out of this. Hopefully you'll share it with other people and then come back the next time. My name is, you know, Lakota Summer, and this is Lakota Moon Conversations. Stay blessed, stay focused, stay awake, and I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>